Hey, welcome back. Steve here, and today I'm talking with Brad Seaver. Brad is a former social studies teacher and instructional coach, as well as he's worn several other hats. Um, but he's currently an assistant principal who is the author of an awesome practical book called Sustainable Project-Based Learning, Five Steps for Designing Authentic Classroom Experiences in Grades 5 through 12. And he's also the founder of Perseverance Education. Oh my gosh, so much to learn. What a great conversation. You're going to love this. By the way, before you go, have you been to my website lately. It'd be so cool if you went there. I have a free audio class on some classroom management tips as well as uh, uh, all my podcasts are there. And uh, you also can find other information as well as my blog. So uh, good stuff. I'd love for you to go there. And uh, by the way, you could also rate and review the podcast. Could you do that for me? Because that's how we get found in podcast land. Thanks so much. You are awesome. Enjoy the show. It's the Education Podcast, your favorite show, with lots of groovy guests and they share what they know. So crank it up to 10 and let your neighbors know that here's another show with Dr. Steve Milletto. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Ah, ah, with Dr. Steve Milletto. Brad Seaver is an assistant principal at Carmel High School in Indiana. There he has helped to create and sustain a successful instructional coaching program and grow the school's International Baccalaureate Diploma Program. Brad is a national presenter. Uh, he speaks on PBL, instructional coaching, and leadership. He has worked with more than 100 schools around the United States and Australia, providing professional development for charter, urban, rural, and suburban schools. He is also the author of the book, Sustainable Project-Based Learning, published by Solution Tree. Brad, it's so cool to have you here today. Glad to have you on the show. Say hi to everyone. Hey, Steve. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much uh, for having me on the show. It's such a, such a privilege, and I look forward to our conversation. Cool. So I, I do too. And uh, just a note, uh, I want to make sure that, you know, we're going to talk about your book, which is Sustainable Project-Based Learning, Five Steps for Designing Authentic Classroom Experiences in Grades 5 through 12. We're going to do that in just a little bit. But before we do that, let's start with something I read about you. I understand that you were a seventh and eighth grade social studies teacher at one time. What'd you like best about teaching kids? Uh, well, I mean, I, I just love working with kids, uh, first and foremost. I mean, what, what I like best, just just getting to know them. Um, you know, getting to know their interests, what they like to do. I also had the opportunity to to coach football and basketball and track. So I like to get to know them both inside the classroom and outside the classroom. Uh, like to know like what they're interested in and of course, ways to make the content engaging to them and and in a way that that they can personally connect with it. Very cool. Very cool. So you've been a teacher. Um, one of the things I also want to point out is that right now you're an assistant principal in a, in a school and uh, you've uh, you've been an instructional coach and you've been a lot of different things. So, you know, my audience will, you know, I've got a little bit of all of you out here in the, <laughs> in my audience world. So that's good stuff. And, you know, let's talk about that instructional coach thing. At one time you did this and uh, you did, you were an instructional coach. What was something you learned about working with colleagues that you kind of always want to remember? I had the opportunity to uh, be trained in cognitive coaching. Uh, it's through uh, the adaptive schools training. And, and I guess in that training and in uh, cognitive coaching, it's about not having the right answer, but asking the right question. And that's something that I try and keep in mind each and every day as a leader and as a colleague in a school. I think sometimes, uh, you know, maybe we're quick to jump to, to try and, and have the right answer, but 
I think it's much more empowering if you can ask the right question. Very cool. Well, you know, we're almost there to start talking about your book, but I got to tell you, just that what you're talking about right now, your book is, is is easy to read, understand, and put to use. And I would think that uh, just a note, I could see where some of what you're talking about about learning and working um, with people is is coming through here. So good stuff. Uh, so before we get any further. We're going to talk about project-based learning. So what do you mean when you use that term, project-based learning? And, you know, and the title of your book is Sustainable Project-Based Learning. So what does that mean as well? Well, Steve, that's a great question because project-based learning is a bit of a buzzword in that there's a lot of different definitions of it that are floating around. I've had the privilege of being a member of the National Faculty for PBL Works, uh, formerly the Buck Institute for Education. And so when we talk about defining project-based learning, I use their definition of project-based learning in that it is a way to design and implement a unit of study that intentionally incorporates seven design elements, which include reflection, student voice and choice, sustained inquiry, having a driving question or challenge, providing opportunities for critique and revision, having authenticity in the unit of study and giving students an opportunity to present a public product at the end of the unit of study. So when we define project-based learning, that is the definition I'm going off of really the intentional design and implementation of a unit of study. And that incorporates those seven design elements. Very cool. So, so Brad, uh, you know, in front of project-based learning, I appreciate you explaining that you also have the word sustainable, um, that's on the front cover of your book. What's that mean? What, what's that add to it when you say sustainable project-based learning? Yeah, so if, if you could just envision a Venn diagram with three circles, one of the circles would be content acquisition through project-based learning as defined in the way that I just defined it. The second circle being graduation skills or employability skills through social and emotional learning. And then the third circle being teacher collaboration time through teacher action research. Sustainable project-based learning, if you imagine that Venn diagram, is the intersection of those three things. It's the intentional incorporation of social and emotional learning or employability skills within the context of the unit and study. It's not a set-aside initiative. It is teacher action research or, you know, PLC teams and teacher collaboration time doing actual teacher action research within the context of the project-based learning unit. So looking at formative assessments throughout the implementation of the project-based learning unit. Teachers getting into one another's classrooms during the implementation of the project-based learning unit. So sustainable project-based learning is not just project-based learning, but it's the integration of teacher collaboration time, doing teacher action research, and social and emotional learning, focusing on those SEL or employability skills. Very cool. I appreciate you explaining that. You know, um, so I think this is so cool. I mean, you have you have a book, you have a book, not only is it a book, but it's also published through Solution Tree. You know, it's what we're talking about today. It's called Sustainable Project-Based Learning, Five Steps for Designing Authentic Classroom Experiences in Grades 5 through 12. 
So what made you say, I want to write this book? Because a lot of people want to write a book, but it just never gets there. Yeah, so so for about 10 years, I had the opportunity to uh, be a, a consultant and work with a lot of schools around the country. And I was a consultant specifically on project-based learning. And I, I would go into schools and I would do a workshop on how to plan and design a project-based learning unit. And almost to a T throughout that time, I would be asked at least one of the following three questions. Question number one would be, hey, this is great. We're excited to do project-based learning, but how do you really sustain it? Will people still be excited in implementing a year from now, two years from now, three years from now? That would be question number one. How do we really sustain this work? Question number two would be, hey, we have teacher collaboration time. How do we enhance the conversation around deeper learning during teacher collaboration time? And then question number three would be, hey, we have a social and emotional learning initiative at our high school or our middle school or our elementary school. How do we integrate social and emotional learning into the curriculum so that it's not a set aside initiative? Like, you know, doing strategies which are really helpful brain-based strategies like mindful minutes and some of these activities that are SEL activities. But, you know, how do we make it so that it's really authentic and woven into the curriculum? So I would be asked, either all three of those questions or one of those three questions. And my book really is meant to answer those three questions that we look at these three things, teacher collaboration time, social emotional learning and project-based learning completely integrated and not as three siloed uh, initiatives. So, uh, you know, and, and even, even more specific, you know, I think schools that have teacher collaboration time or professional learning communities, man, I really think they benefit from using a framework like project-based learning. So it's not just about the quantitative standardized testing data, although that data is important, but it's also about the qualitative data and looking at evidence of authentic learning experiences for students. Um, and formative assessments within the context of a project-based learning unit. Um, so I think that professional learning communities benefit from project-based learning, and simultaneously, project-based learning absolutely benefits from having good structured professional learning communities or teacher collaboration time. Because really, it's not just about planning and designing a unit. It's about the conversations that we have around the evidence of learning during the implementation of the unit, you know, and after the implementation of the unit. Uh, and I, I really think that it's those conversations. That's how you sustain the work. That is awesome. And I love it. I appreciate you sharing that because there's, there's a lot to it. And, uh, um, and um, your book, this is really going to be a great segue because your, your book does an awesome job of it. First of all, it's, it's very readable. It's not, it's not something where you got to be looking can someone help me define these words? Cause I sure don't know what it means, you know, or something like that. And then, and instead it's, it's very easy to read and it's, it's full of practical um, stuff to use for lack of a better term. It's, it's literally, it's got all this cool stuff to be able to, to read and start working on putting it in, in, into a action. And I, and I really love stuff like that uh, as a former principal and former teacher and all, all that. Uh, and, you know, you, you really like it when, 
you understand what the person's talking about and have the opportunity then to take it and some, some ways of putting it to work. So one of the things that's really cool about your book is that you've included checklists, how to create tasks, help and how to do this, or, or basically you have help in explaining how to do what you're talking about. Could you talk about writing to include this type of information? I mean, first of all, like what made you do that? And, you know, and uh, what's it like, you know, including that stuff? I mean, what were you thinking about as you're doing that? Well, you know, I, uh, first of all, th- you know, thank you uh, for, for those kind words about the book. I really wanted the book to be extremely practical. And I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to provide the reader with a lot of templates um, and, and to break things down step by step. Uh, you know, everything, you know, from, from you know, step one of, of planning and designing the unit uh, with, with a template. And, and I have to give a shout out uh, to my good friend and fellow author and educator, Dr. Michael McDowell. Uh, some of his work was a really strong inspiration for me. Uh, he wrote a great book several years ago called uh, Rigorous Project-Based Learning, um, and which was very influential. Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, I wanted the reader to be able to go through the planning process as well as the implementation process with some clear consumables and templates uh, to really help guide them, you know, th- throughout. So, you know, if, if they wanted to do a book study as, as like a small group or a grade level or a specific content area group or maybe a school-wide book study, that there were clear steps and very clear, like you said, checklists and templates to help guide people through each, each of the steps. Oh, I love it. It's, it, you know, there's, there's nothing better than, I mean, this is not like one thing. All right. This is not like two things. This is a lot of cool stuff. And so, I mean, you're actually, it's, it's like getting a um, presence all wrapped up inside of this, this topic of the book. So I th- you know, kudos to you for doing that. I, you know, one of my favorite chapters is chapter seven um, and it's titled step three, establishing a clear goal for student learning. Now for my listeners, I'm not going to go through each chapter of the book. So I just, sorry, mm-hmm. you, you need to go buy his book. All right. Cause it's, it's going to be helpful to you, but I am going to highlight a couple of chapters. And uh, the first one I'm going to highlight is chapter seven, which is it's called Step 3, Establishing a Clear Goal for Student Learning. And Brad, you say this, once you have planned your SPBL unit and your assessments, it is time to craft a goal for student learning. Could you talk about this, about creating these goals? You know, sure, sure, Stephen. And, you know, just as I talked in the previous question about how Dr. Michael McDowell was an influence, um, in Chapter 7, definitely Rick DeFore and his work was an influence in terms of the work that uh, he has done with with professional learning communities and that model of professional learning communities. And and we know uh, one of the techniques used is to develop a SMART goal and have teams of teachers uh, really think about what their goals for student learning are. And so I think that's really important when we talk about this idea of PLCs and doing teacher action research. When we design a unit of study, we want to establish clear goals around student learning so that we can have conversations with each other. Hey, are we, are we meeting our goals around student learning? And, and, and I think it's important to have goals uh, that are like quantitative. So like standardized testing, you know, based on growth measures involving some forms of standardized testing, but also more qualitative where it's like, telling the story of the learning and what are the project milestones and, and benchmarks 
throughout the unit? What are those formative assessments as students are working on an authentic product and working through authentic tasks? We should be talking about those as well and to have a, a clear a clear goal. I'm a big fan of doing pre-assessments and post-assessments and the focus being on student growth. Um, and I think if we can focus on individual student growth, then our overall student achievement is going to increase, right? But instead of kind of always just focusing on these broad student achievement goals, let's really break it down for each unit of study and focus on individual student growth within each of these units of study and have ongoing conversations and look at both quantitative, example, standardized testing data, and qualitative, example, like project milestone. That is awesome. And, uh, you know, it's, it's so important because a lot of times I think what happens is we, we start thinking about, an, you know, in education, uh, you know, the joke has always been that if the principal goes off to a conference, what's he, what's he or she going to bring back, <laughs> you know, that uh, we're going to have to do for the next thing or something like this. And, uh, you know, <laughs> one of the things that we're looking at is that the idea here is that if you're going to do PBL is that you're going to, ha- you got to create um, goals and understand what you're trying to do. And I, I think this chapter gets into that very well. So I, I like that. I, you, you know, you know, one of the, um, the, the next chapters that I wanted to point out is um, chapter nine is called step five, reflecting, refining, and celebrating. And one of the things I think is so important about this chapter is that I think it's oftentimes we leave all of this stuff out. All right. And uh, um, why is it important to reflect, refine, and celebrate? Well, I think I think reflection is learning. And in, in the book, I talk about the three levels of learning and that a really good project-based learning unit should have uh, equal intensity of surface-level learning, so basic knowledge, key terms, key vocabulary, deep-level learning, you know, compare and contrast, cause and effect, and then transfer learning, application in a new and different context, ideally a real-world context. And in the book, I talk about that how those three levels of learning have to be implemented for a really good, strong project-based learning unit. And when we think about reflecting, that's an opportunity for students to really demonstrate some transfer. When they can reflect on their own learning, I think that's very, very powerful. When they're able to identify where they've been in their learning, where they are in their learning, and where they're going in their learning, I think that is a very research-based approach Dr. John Hattie's research talks about those students that can do that are assessment capable, and that has a very high effect size based on his research. So I think reflection and reflecting on learning is extremely important and extremely powerful. In terms of refining, I think as teachers, ideally people are going through this process. Teachers are going through this process, maybe with some other teachers. Refining is important. Hey, When we just implemented this unit of study, what went well? What are we going to tweak and adjust next time? Let's go through and use some of these checklists in the book. You know, what what do we want to refine when we implement this for next year? Or what do we want to refine before we implement our next unit? And then celebration. Um, I think celebration is so important to do with students. In a project-based learning unit, hey, we just answered the overarching driving question that has more than one right answer that addresses a real world problem or challenge. This is a rigorous process that we went through. Ideally, the answer to our driving question benefited somebody outside of the classroom. And we need to celebrate that. 
I mean, that's what we do as adults, Steve, right? When we accomplish something that was very difficult and challenging, we take time out to celebrate and acknowledge and affirm. And I just think that's so important. So those three things, reflecting, refining, and celebrating, I think are important to do as adults. And I think they're also very important to do with our students. Excellent. Excellent. I love it. You know, it's uh, it's just a note. Um, I got to tell the audience, I mean, you're in a school that is, has like somewhere around 5,000 kids. Now, wow. All right. So, you know, (laughs) that's amazing. And I can only imagine that in a school that size that uh, you could get lost in the crowd or, or even maybe somebody, you know, not really doing what, uh, I, I don't know, not understanding, you know, where you're going with things and stuff like this. So I can only imagine that how important refining, you know, uh, doing this process of, uh, you know, reflecting and refining um, is so important because that kind of brings them together to say, hey, this is important and uh, we, we don't need to just do our own thing, I guess. So I guess that's point. And whether you do it at your school or not is my, is not my point, but I was just thinking, man, the size of your school, it's a prime example of how important those processes are. I mean, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, well, I guess, you know, first of all, I'm, I'm very fortunate to work in the school I work in. I, I absolutely love uh, Carmel High School. Um, just amazing opportunity, amazing students, amazing community, amazing uh, teachers. Um, and, and, you know, certainly, uh, it's not a perfect school, but it's, it's a great school. And, um, you know, we, we, we certainly implement elements of, of, of this, uh, you know, we, we actually, uh, have just been recently having some conversations about this idea of surface deep and transfer that I just mentioned. Um, you know, we do have a PLC team structure and opportunities, uh, for teacher collaboration, um, and, you know, uh, actually there are a few teachers that are featured from Carmel High School in, in the book uh, and, and sample units that they designed are actually in, in the back of the book in, in the, uh, the appendix. So, uh, so yeah, I, I absolutely love, love my school and, uh, and, you know, I just love this community. That's so cool. So, uh, and all the power to you, man. That's, 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 that's awesome. I, I thought I'd been in a big school when I, you know, what? biggest I was at was 2,400. And, and, uh, um, as a high school principal, all my schools were right around, um, 2000. And, uh, I take that back. The first one was smaller, 1200, (laughs) but next to, next to 5,000, 1200 would be like, Ooh, little tiny. (laughs) Um, but, uh, good, good stuff. Well, that's so cool. Thanks for sharing that. And, you know, one of the things that you just started talking about that I've got to make sure I mention is in the appendix, you have this amazing amount of reproducibles. Now, I think that's cool on different levels because not only are you showing them um, examples of how to do what you're talking about, you've also given them permission that they can reproduce it, right? So, oh, yeah. So can you talk about that section? I mean, it, it, it shows that you're writing to help. I mean, let, let's just talk about that. Well, you know, I would say first off, uh, just Solution Tree, just a great publisher to work with, and uh, the re- the reproducibles are not only in the book, but if you go to the Solution Tree website and you you know click through that, you you type in uh, sustainable project based learning, uh, folks can actually download uh, so many of the documents from the book. Uh, so all those re- reproducibles you can download as as a PDF. Um, so uh, it's absolutely meant to be, again, a tool and a resource that teachers can use these templates 
and these reproducibles, uh, you know, and, and, you know, I, I guess I would encourage, uh, you know, everybody kind of has their own, own way that they like to kind of customize things. Um, you know, feel free to, to, to do that. Um, and, and, uh, uh, yeah, uh, you know, it's, the book is meant to be just a very practical, um, resource for, for teachers when they go to design and implement a unit of study and conduct action research around, around that unit. Yeah. Well, that's so awesome because you've done just that. And by having all that stuff there, I mean, any teacher who's looking to, you know, they, they can't, there's no way you could read your book and say, I don't know what to do. Cause you got all kinds of examples, how to get started, um, stuff that you can reproduce and so, so forth. So awesome stuff. I, you know, I, th- I think just, just what, you know, one more thing, Steve, start, start interrupt, but, but I also, I try to be very intentional about providing a lot of examples in the book, just because I think when you show examples, it really adds clarity to the work. So the appendix that you're specifically mentioning, you know, are, are examples of completed templates and completed units from all different grade levels, all different subject areas. I just think by providing examples that adds clarity to the work. So um, those are also in the, in the reproducibles uh, section and available on the solution tree website as well. Yeah. And that's awesome. Cause that's, you know, it's one of those things that, uh, yeah, that's always the trouble with, you know, if, if you, or hearing about something or reading about something is, is understanding what it looks like or how to use it or how to, how to, how to really make some activities that, you know, you, you, you might be thinking, well, well, I'm, that's fine. I'm not the author. I'm not the, the person that the author was interviewing or something like this. How do I get, well, you've solved that problem right there because you've got, uh, uh materials for them to reproduce and to use. And, uh, and it, it, uh, shows what they can, they can do in their, their classroom, how to get started and keep going, I guess is my point. So love it. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things that, uh, um, is really, is also awesome is that, you know, you've got a lot of things going on in your world and you also are the founder of Perseverance Education. Um, and, uh, you have this really cool website and, uh, and, uh, some stuff that you do and work with, uh, schools and, um, in, in the beginning of it, your mission statement says, our mission is to ensure every student is provided with meaningful and valuable learning experiences that equip them with content, knowledge, and skills so that they can solve the problems that will exist in their future. Could you talk about how you do this? Yeah, so, you know, Perseverance Education is just my own LLC. Um, and I, I just think, like, with that mission statement, at times a weakness of project-based learning, and I love project-based learning, but a weakness is that uh, students focus on kind of the transfer, but not necessarily the surface level learning. And I think sometimes like we can get real excited when kids are doing like a real world project and that's engaging and that's attractive, but we also have to remember that students need to have surface level knowledge and understanding as well. And, and, and so my mission statement is like, I believe in authentic learning experiences, but I also believe in students having basic skills and basic knowledge so that they can properly answer that driving question, address that challenge. And so, um, you know, I would say like, I want the mission statement of perseverance education to reflect that. And really, Steve, that mission statement was inspired because I've been to some of the wall-to-wall project-based learning schools, and they're really good at transfer, but I would challenge them on surface and maybe even deep. And then I also, uh, I would challenge my own school. I think we're good at 
surface and deep, but we're not always great at transfer and showing how content is connected to the real world. And so that mission statement is sort of the result of, of that idea that, you know, we need to be able to have sort of an equal intensity of surface deep and transfer learning within each unit of study that students should not only be provided authentic challenges and experiences, but they should be provided opportunities to learn the basic knowledge and facts that they need in order to address those authentic challenges. That's excellent. I love it. The, uh, by the way, I got to ask this question. You know, it, is it just coincidence that in the middle of perseverance is Seaver? <laughs> that was very intentional, Steve. <laughs> cool. And, uh, you're actually one of the few that's picked up on that. So uh, it's very intuitive on your end, but that, that is, that is very intentional. Excellent. I love it. So uh, nice. All right. I need a veldering. <laughs> Good stuff. You know, so I got a question to ask you here. If you had a chance to be the closing speaker at a conference of classroom teachers who are getting ready to start the new school year, what would be something that you would want them to remember from your talk? I think, I think, you know, really, really two things. Uh, you know, one, this sustainable project-based learning framework that I've written about, I hope that the audience sees it as kind of like a smoothie. And I want to, I want to give an example, you know, I'm, I'm a father of two kids and I'm always trying to get them to eat healthy. And instead of giving them strawberries, bananas, yogurt, maybe some kale on, on a plate. What I do is I throw those things in a blender and I make a smoothie and they're more likely to eat that. I think in schools today, there are a lot of initiatives going on. You know, we have literacy strategies, we have social emotional learning. Um, you know, we're getting ready for our standardized tests. We have professional learning communities. Uh, we're working to meet the needs of all of our students, including students that have IEPs and 504s and ILPs, students that are uh, multi-language learners. Um, what I hope to do in this framework is make it like a smoothie, that we incorporate like John Hattie's high-impact strategies. We incorporate teacher action research and a process for professional learning communities. We incorporate best practice and unit design and planning, we incorporate best practice and assessments all in one package, all in one smoothie, if you will. And that's the way that I hope when people read the book, they see this as a, as a comprehensive framework that, that really integrates a lot of these siloed initiatives that are currently taking place at our school. So that would be the first thing. And then the second thing is this. And this is kind of where we started. I believe that, that as a leader, I want to ask the right questions instead of having the right answer. And so whether you're doing project-based learning or not, or whether you're do, doing these things or not, I would leave the audience with four key questions to take back to their schools. Question number one, how are we getting to know our students? What's motivating them? How are we building the relationships? Question number two, What's the evidence of surface deep and transfer learning? Question number three, how are we defining these employability skills or SEL skills or ideal graduate skills? How are we defining those for our kids? Skills like collaboration and self-awareness and social awareness. How are we defining those and being intentional about giving kids feedback and their growth in those skills? 
And question number four is Dr. John Hattie's question. We typically have our students for a year. How are we ensuring one year's growth in one year's time? I think it's those four questions that schools should be focused on today. And whether you're doing project-based learning or not, I think those four questions are the most important questions as educators we should be asking. And I think project-based learning is a great vehicle to be able to answer those four questions. It's not necessarily the only vehicle. I think it's a great vehicle. Um, so those would be the two points that I would make. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much. That would be so cool. Um, and, uh, you know, just, just a note, do you speak to, you know, if, if someone listening to this goes, Oh, Brad makes a good point. I'd like to have him talk about his book and his, uh, and, uh, th those points that he just made, cause that's right up our alley. How do, how do they, yeah. how about they, how do they contact you? What, what other information, uh, you know, if they want to find out about, uh, engaging you to talk more or your book or, or, uh, how do they reach out and find out more? Yeah, sure. So you could visit my website, which, which is perseveranceeducation.com. Uh, you could also go or uh, type in sustainableprojectbasedlearning.com. That'll take you to my website as well. Um, you can contact me uh, via email, which is uh, on the website. Um, you can also uh, uh, book me through uh, several different organizations I work for. Obviously, uh, Solution Tree, my publishing company, uh, an organization called the Core Collaborative. Uh, an organization, um, you know, uh, PBL works too. I'm a national faculty member. If, if you like their stuff, uh, uh, you, you can, you can go through, through that channel. So, uh, those are several ways you can also find me on Twitter and I'm just at Brad Siever. Excellent. Well, I will have those, uh, that information in my show notes. So it's easy for them to, uh, reach out and, uh, make connection with you. So good stuff. So before we go, Brad, I have two last questions that I, I like to ask my guests. And uh, the first one goes like this. How do you keep going when so much is going on that you may want to quit? Man, I, I guess um, I guess my why is like, I just want to provide authentic learning experiences for kids. I mean, like, uh, I just want teaching and learning uh, to, to be authentic for kids. And I just really get motivated when I see the light bulbs go off and I see like kids feel empowered if they've feel like their work is like meaning or, or their work that they're creating is going to benefit somebody else. Um, I also am empowered when I see teachers get excited about teaching and learning. You know, I, I just think I, I oftentimes like thrive off of other people's excitement. So I guess that's, that's how I keep going. And that's how I persevere during tough, difficult times. Excellent. Love it. Uh, last question. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say, thank you? Oh, what a great question. Uh, yeah, I guess, first of all, both my, both my parents were educators. So I guess first and foremost, you know, them, um, and you know, they, they were just the most amazing parents, uh, anyone could ask for my, my grandfather was a teacher. My aunt was a teacher. So, you know, I come from a family of educators. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I still keep in touch with uh, um, several of my all-time favorite teachers. One was my teacher and high school track coach. Uh, his name is Doug Drenth. And, uh, you know, fortunately, we do keep in touch. And I've had the opportunity to, to say thank you to him on numerous occasions. Um, and, and so, uh, uh, you know, just so grateful for all of the amazing mentors and teachers that I've had in, in, in my life. So 
those are a few. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. And, and Brad, it was awesome talking with you today. Thanks so much for sharing your book, Sustainable Project-Based Learning, Five Steps for Designing Authentic Classroom Experiences in Grades 5 through 12, and your venture, Perseverance Education. I mean, you have an awesome direction and purpose. I'm wishing you the best in all you do. Steve, thank you so much. What a privilege and honor it was to be able to talk with you today and be part of this podcast. Thank you so much. Hey, you have been listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. The opinions expressed on Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmaletto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much. You're awesome. <laughs>